Sean Olbs of the Eiffels was able to chat with Mobley over Zoom video. Mobley currently based in Austin, Texas, but he grew up all over the world, everywhere from the Spanish Mediterranean to the coast of California, obviously currently in Austin, Texas. But he talked to Sean about how he got into music, composing dozens of songs for stage and television, big networks like HBO, Fox, NBC, ESPN, touring with massive artists like Fanagram, Jungle, and Cold War Kids, and all about his new record, Young and Dying, which he wrote while he was in Thailand. You can watch our video with Mobley and my brother-in-law on our Facebook page and YouTube channel at Bringing It Backwards. It'd be awesome if you subscribe to our channel and like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Bringing Back Pod. We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Or Bringing It Backwards with Mobley. All right, everybody. He's performed with the likes of Fantagram, Cold War Kids, Jungle, James Blake. You've heard his music on HBO, Fox, NBC, ESPN. Happy to call him a friend of mine and the Eiffels. We've got Mobley here today. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. Thank you for having me. Yeah, dude. So I'm glad we get to talk. Uh, it's Friday. It's a little looser. Uh, also, congratulations in, are in order. I know you're, uh, you're a dad now. So congrats, man. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'm doing uh, I'm doing big boy things myself here, as you can see. Uh, that happened a couple a uh, couple weeks ago. Uh, for those listeners, I just uh, pointed to my ring finger, which has uh, some gold on it now. <laughs> Very, <laughs> that's that's good news, man. Yeah, so we are uh, we're growing up, man. Um, but uh, tell me a little bit about uh, because y- you you've been called a perennial new kid as far as how you grew up. Uh, so why was that, and how was that? Yeah, my my dad was um, in the military, and so every two or three years, I was moving um, to a new school and a new city, and kind of having to figure out figure out the, what the the social rules are wherever I was was going to be, and um, I think that being a part of of how I was raised and and the, the kind of adaptability that you have to have to make that work um, has really been a big part of my artistic life as well in terms of kind of having an open an open ear to a lot of things and and um, and and bringing in a, a whole lot of different influences um, because my my life has just been um, you know, one, one thing after another, um, in terms of like the cultural context I was in, uh, whether the, the linguistic context I was in moving, uh, to, to different countries, uh, overseas. And so, um, I, I feel a real, a real openness and a real, um, kind of an adventurous spirit when it comes to, to the things that go into my sound. Yeah, that's cool that you say that it gave you an adventurous spirit because uh, I've been thinking about lately how I just like doing new things. You know what I mean? Like like there there can be things that I love, but I if it's something's just that I've, I've never done something before, it just kind of excites me. So did you kind of see the silver lining as a kid? Like, oh, this is going to be a new school or were, was it a little bit like, ah, oh, I got to do this again? Uh, 
I probably neither, honestly. Like I just didn't know anything else. It, right. It just was the way the world was for me. Um, right. But as soon as I became an adult and realized how rare that is and how, um, you know, around the world, but, but particularly here in the United States, a lot of people really don't get to see very much and, and, and their, their concept of what the world is, is very constrained by the, the people and things around them. Uh, I really definitely developed a big appreciation for it. Um, I, I don't, I don't, I, it's hard to imagine how different I would be as a person uh, without those experiences. Yeah. Did, did a lot of the places you would, cause you moved like into, like you lived in Texas. I think you said you've lived in California for a little while. Uh, you lived in uh, overseas, like you said. Did you find that as far as in high school that a lot of those places matched the stereotypes of those areas? Like, uh, for example, my uh, my nephew uh, just moved to Nashville and I was asking and he grew up in he's in middle school now and he grew, he's grown up in California. So I asked him, I was like, how is it? How do you like it? And he, he really likes it. Uh, but I was like, what are some of the differences? And he was like, well, you know, a lot of the kids listen to country music. You know, I don't really listen to country. And so like, that's kind of like a stereotype that's true, I guess. Uh, so uh, did you find any of those stereotypes to be true? Um, I, I guess in broad ways, yes. But, you know, anytime you get to know a place, um, all sorts of complexity emerges for you. Like you, you see a place from far away and it's like, well, it seems like this is the way that is. And then you get there and it's like, well, it is that way, but I didn't realize that this is why. And, and that affects these three other things, which makes it feel different than I would have thought it felt. So um, yeah, I would say there were definitely broadly things that, that were true about those places in high school in particular i was in um texas in san antonio texas and then in north carolina and those places were probably different in the ways you would expect them to be different from each other but um but also really alike in a lot of ways i mean somehow um somehow even even before you know the internet was as, as big as it is now and social media was as big as it is now, um, lots of trends permeated both places and you know um, everybody was drawing the the S on there. Yeah, the that, S that, that was up. happening at my at my school. Yeah, it's crazy. It's yeah. crazy how somehow those things would just uh, like you said without the internet just be everywhere. You know. Yeah, and I, I think uh, and I, whenever we, I talk about pre-internet, I, I talk about how I it's it's interesting because I think all the internet has done has sped up trends, you know. So it's like uh, the, the '90s was a whole decade of baggy pants, and now it's like you know baggy pants will be back in for like a year, and then <laughs> and then it'll be something else, you know what I mean? So it's just it's just. I, I find like social media and the internet has just like, it's we're, we're speeding up, you know, yeah. I, 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 I've thought about that before too. I think just social media too, uh, just, 
you know, if you get on Twitter and just, you know, all the discussions about uh, social issues and everything, I, I sometimes think about it in terms of if you were just like looking at the human species under a microscope and it would be like, we're, 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 we're slowly moving, slowly moving. And now there's like this hyper, uh, kind of hyper critique and also hyper correction that's going on, you know, and, and it's just going to, I don't know, go faster and faster, maybe, <laughs> you know, so we'll see. Yeah. So, so the, the way that I met you was uh, Lee Marciniak of, of the Eiffels played drums with you on a few, uh, on a couple dates, I think at a couple festivals. And, uh, and then, so we wound up meeting and, uh, and playing a couple shows. Um, and we played, I think, at the Bootleg Theater uh, in Los Angeles. So I ended up seeing you at the Satellite and the Resident. Um, and you came out to see the Eiffels at uh, Aloft Hotel when we were over in Texas, uh, playing with the X Ambassadors. And uh, so what, one thing I noticed is watching you is you put on a great live show. And I think you're, you're known for that because uh, you're not only a musician, you're a producer, but you're, you're a visual artist. And... And someone who really knows how to leverage technology, I think, to achieve your vision. Um, tell us a little bit about how you bring all those together and, and where you think that comes from. Yeah, um, I, I'm not entirely sure where it comes from. Um, I've always been, always been really interested in technology and in, in visual art. I, I, when I was a kid, I really wanted to be an animator and actually ended up studying film and um, animation in school, but was, was really taken by songwriting and, and making records and ended up, that ended up being what I did. Um, but I still have a, a really deep love for, um, for visual arts and for filmmaking. Um, and I, I also kind of have a background in, in stage acting stage performance and so mm. I have a real love for the theatrical and yeah. so i think the genesis of it i guess would be you know my first my very first tour um i went out and i i'd gotten rid of my apartment i i got in a van with my band and we went out and i'm, I'm kind of a shy person um when i'm not on stage and so my plan was just to be this like kind of mysterious aloof front man uh -huh. in the songs and then kind of turn inward during the show. Yeah. Uh huh. Uh, and we were out like playing dive bars on a completely independently booked tour. And I tried that for like two nights and it just was not working. At not, all. not audience wasn't feeling it. It wasn't connecting. No, no. Um, and I was just like, well, I've kind of like put everything on this. So like I need, I need them to, to pay attention. I need to, I need yeah. to their attention. So um, the next night I came out, tried something completely different. It was really super outgoing, borderline aggressive um, <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> with, uh, with the way that I tried to work the room and really, um, really leaned into, into the theatrical elements of what we were doing. And it was just, you know, day and night in terms of the way that people reacted. And so um, I guess from that time, everything else is kind of built on that idea of really taking control of a space 
and 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 um you know uh the, the i think when the audience comes in they're really depending on you to help them understand how they're supposed to re respond to your your work and so you know things like lights things like video <clears throat> excuse me interactive elements those all really help you shape a space um especially light you know when you can make it dark and then shine a light in a particular space everybody's it was just human nature everyone will look where the light is and yeah. looks where the light isn't um and so you know taking kind of taking bits of, of wisdom and sagecraft from like magicians and illusionists and stuff and and theater and and trying to trying to turn that all into kind of a a theory of how to work a room and and um and then using technology like you said to control the lighting and the videos and and um and and make everything kind of run together uh has has been like almost like a whole second career uh, alongside you know yeah. music and everything um but it's but it's it's a really it's really fulfilling to get to to kind of have that control over every single aspect of what's what's happening on stage um and now and now it's hard to imagine you know uh doing a tour without that yeah so, i mean to for those who haven't seen you just so they can visualize it you are a one man production on stage uh you have a huge uh, you know, projection that go that's on during the show that's synced up with your music. So it's, you know, different musical elements are lining up with what's on the screen. You've got lights. You're going from the microphone to your guitar to getting off the guitar, jumping on the drum kit, doing the drum kit. Uh, so you're playing all these different elements. Um, and I love that you are looking at it from the scope of, oh, what can I take from uh, illusionists and, and magicians and, um, and stagecraft and my, my uh, drama days and, uh, and, and mixing it with, uh, and I love that you realized that too, because that you had to kind of up the ante with your energy because as they say in, in drama or, or or Broadway, it's like Broadway, you're supposed to do huge movements because uh, people, you know, so the people in the back can see you. Whereas on, on TV uh, or, or on movies, I say, they say you're supposed to do a lot like smaller movements because you're on a big screen and everyone can see. So the smallest movement can, can be interpreted on uh, television, maybe like a little bit little bit bigger um, and you are definitely the uh more of the stage uh style movement as far as what i've seen because you are just you would never guess that you're an introvert um or you know a shy person um when when you're watching you yeah uh, and yeah. you and and you mentioned to me before that you're a coder and so that helped probably helped you immensely because i know uh when i'm trying to figure out stuff just you know how to sync certain applications with live shows it's uh it's always a pain i'm always having to relearn things but since that's kind of part of you're kind of a native with that stuff um i mean you can tell because <laughs> there's a lot of elements that have to be synced up for what you do yeah yeah um yeah before i was doing music full-time i i worked as a developer and um and so 
I've, I've been coding, I guess, since I was in high school. And um, that's really opened up. Uh, that was probably the biggest, you know, the biggest element in opening up my ability to kind of think broadly on the way this stuff works. Because when I first started doing this stuff, there were a lot fewer solutions for, for some of the things that I was imagining. So I'm, you know, from years ago, I've been writing my own code um, and, and writing my own programs to run some of this stuff. So uh, yeah, it's, it's a massive, it's been a massive part of it. Yeah, that's awesome. I think that's something that a lot of musicians who aren't, um, you know, code savvy would never even dream of. So you'll have to release the Moby suite of, uh, of live, live production tools at some point. Yeah. Eventually. Yeah. Well, tell us a little bit about the new album, uh, cause it's awesome. And, um, the, the, the title young and dying in the Occident Supreme. Um, what does that mean? I, I think a lot of people have heard the word Occident. Uh, but, uh, for example, I right in my hood, I have Occidental college, uh, but I've never, I never really think about what it means. So what does Occident mean? And what's that title mean? Yeah. So Occident just means West. And, um, the, the title of the record comes from a poem that I wrote. That is the thing that starts out the, the record. A friend of mine who is, uh, an immigrant from Mexico read it for me, uh, read it really beautifully. And that's what starts the, uh, the record. And the, the idea um, came from, I, I mean, the, the, the idea for the entire record actually came from a trip I took. I was, uh, I was on tour in Australia and decided to kind of extend the trip and turn it into a little vacation because I hadn't had any time off for a while. Um, so we went over to Thailand and, um, I, the, the plan was to, to take time off, but ultimately I ended up, um, getting really inspired and, and doing a lot of writing over there. Um, I think mostly because I was, um, kind of really limited to being an observer of what was going on because couldn't speak the language, didn't have any friends over there. So I was just kind of watching and, and taking things in and thinking. And um, the story, the big story in the news at the time was the family separations at the border, uh, which had been really weighing really heavily on my mind, especially living where I do. It's, you know, a couple hours away from where I live. Um, yeah. And it's, it's really distressing, especially now I wasn't a father at the time, but now as a father, it's just, I can't imagine somebody trying to take my kid away from me. Um, now it's like and, primal. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, there, the politics around that stuff, especially in a place like Texas are really frustrating. So people will kind of hem and haw and, and try to act like there are two sides to the issue, but there was something really clarifying and um, refreshing about traveling abroad during that time and hearing in these other countries on the news, it would just be like, the United States is committing human rights abuses at its Southern border, which is like, yeah, that's exactly what's happening. There's not another way to say it. You were um, seeing that in like paper headlines and stuff like that over there? Or like international newscasts that were in English. Mm. Or, um, mm. they, they were just pretty, pretty bluntly just calling it what it was, um, violations of international law. And, um, 
and I think something about that clarity was uh, was inspiring. And so the line from the poem is is um, how good it is to be young and dying in the Occident Supreme. And that was just um, that was just kind of a reflection on you know living in the United States. You have this idea of American exceptionalism that this is just the best country in the history of the world and and Western culture is the greatest culture in the history of the world. And that's why we have the most money and that's why we win all the wars and blah, 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 blah. And, um, you know, all that notwithstanding, you see just rampant poverty and homelessness and, and suffering on just really difficult to imagine scales. And this was before COVID it's even worse now, obviously. Yeah. Um, and, and so, uh, it, it was just kind of a tongue in cheek. Uh, it started as just kind of a tongue in cheek jab at like, this is the greatest place on earth. And yet, you know, you can't young and dying. <laughs> yeah, you, got, you got all these young people leaving earth way before their time because of horrible systems that don't care about them. And, um, and so the record as it grew, just kind of it ended up being um, an exploration of that idea and an exploration of all the ways in which um, this country is really trapped by a lot of bad old ways of thinking. And, um, and, and the record is really about urging us to discard those things and, 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 and look at things in a, in a newer and better way. And, and in the hope that that leads us to, a fairer and more peaceful world. Yeah, I, I love that you detoured from Australia to to go to Thailand, and I love that you found. I think you told me that you just found you saw like a knockoff Fender Strat or something in, in Bangkok or something like that, and uh, and and that's what you were using to kind of throw some of these ideas together. Yeah, yeah. The first first day I was there in Bangkok. Um, I saw a knockoff Telecaster in the window of this music shop and I hadn't brought any of my gear with me or anything because I wasn't planning on doing anything. Was it just like so cheap? How cheap was it? Like, man, it, it couldn't have been more than $50. That's awesome. I, I mean, <laughs> yeah. And so I I picked it up and I was like, okay, I'll just noodle on this. And Did it sound okay? Was it the play okay? It's on the record. Like, half oh, really? I tracked I tracked most of the guitar for the record um like on the coffee table of this apartment in on an island uh south of the mainland um so awesome and so yeah it sounded great i i i think i told you but uh my uh my wife and i did a a trip to thailand uh, a few years back and we still like to this day want to go back even though there's places that we haven't been and we want to go i think it's one of our favorite trips if not our favorite trip like it was just so cool and and i just the the prices there i mean i we would so we part of the trip was in kopp which was like this island uh south of thailand and uh part of thailand but uh south of the mainland and uh we were uh just on the beach there's like these sleepy cats just all around us eating the best Thai food of our life, having a couple uh, Chang beers. And it was like five bucks for the both of us. You know what I mean? It's just like, wow. And we were literally just running into people at hostels who were like, yeah, I, I stopped 
here on my trip and uh and now i just work at the hostel and i live here <laughs> i just decided not to leave and it's like wow i could i could see how that would happen because it's it's awesome there yeah it's amazing so you go to thailand you get supremely inspired uh to write this album about the occident supreme and uh and you come back with uh, these ideas for these great songs. And I got to say, James Crow, nobody's favorite mate, uh, great songs and, and great music videos. Um, it's uh, since you and I have, have known each other for a while, it's it's really cool when you know an artist or whatever the craft is and you just see them over the years getting better and better. It's uh, just love seeing people continue to develop and, and grow and sharpen their skills. Uh, so congrats on, on, a, on a great body of work and a, and a great, uh, and all three of those music videos for this project were awesome. Thank you. I really appreciate that a lot. Do you have fun shooting those? I, I, I like the, the camera work with Mate. Uh, for those who haven't seen it, there's kind of like this rotating effect where you're on a bed and it looks like the camera's going in front of you and then all the way around and and, and there's it's I, I feel like it's an illusion but it looks like the camera is going like under the bed and then coming back out under uh, and then the, you know the scene changes every time it comes back from under the bed uh, and it seems like once you set it up that maybe it was simple it was a simple setup but then just like a very cool visual effect is that true or was that hard to set up uh, it was really hard to set up. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, it looks really cool. So it was worth it. But I was wondering if there was some some uh, fancy trickery going on that maybe uh, you could have figured out to, to make it look that way without. So we're you using a crane or something that actually was like detailed. Yeah. So it, we were using a, um, a, a cinema robot to, mm. uh, to, to have the arc be exactly the same every time and and time everything out um it, it was a lot of math to, <laughs> to work out the timing uh for the song um i when i i, I kind of keep a, a stack of ideas um for music videos and then every time i have a song that needs a music video i open this file and i'm like well does anything in here work and i had a friend i have a friend and a collaborator who um, is a, a cinema robot salesman and they are always mm. looking for, um, they're always looking for kind of example portfolio work. Mm. And mm -hmm. so we, we did a little trade. I did a little work for them and, and then we got this robot for a day. And so we probably awesome. spent, um, I don't know, 16, 18 hours shooting that day. But, but yeah, so the, the concept is that there's this bed, floating in space and I'm on one side of the bed um like on the top of the bed and then on the on the underside of the bed is my love interest and we're conducting this uh socially distant romance um I, I was trying to come up with a, an idea that I could shoot uh without without putting anybody in danger uh and right anybody needing to be on screen touching uh at the at the same time or anything like that and so yeah, the basically we had a bed set up and then the, the camera goes over and around like this. And uh, and so we shot all of hers and then we shot all of mine and then I went in and cut them together so that it looks like it's a constant spin. And then there's that one establishing shot where you see like the bed rotating in space that kind of sells the illusion. But, um, but yeah, it was really, 
really fun to get to do and it's always it's always really fulfilling as an artist when you you have a plan and it kind of works out because so much of yeah art is just like fumbling and it's like oh this is cool like i'll just keep going with this but sometimes you have to have a plan and, and you never quite know how it's going to come out until until you do it uh but that one came out great yeah uh, like you said that was that's one of those things where you have to be otherwise it's gonna it's it's gonna look funky or, or sloppy uh so you guys did a great job with that it looks really cool uh you guys created a really cool visual there um I uh, I wanted to say too your your promotion of the album at least so far with your virtual tour uh, was just uh, genius you know because you you did a tour uh, earlier this year and um, and I think it just speaks to your resourcefulness um, and I mentioned this to you before but uh, you know. Uh, you you basically if covid was a windstorm you built a windmill um or or used used the wind for your sails you know what i mean and and some people some people do that some people thrive like you were able to uh capitalize on the fact that you know all these like these stadiums or these hotel uh rooftops were empty because no one was there so you were able to just put yourself there and be like i'm going to put on a, a performance here and we'll record it and this will be my my virtual tour date for this particular city uh, and you created these really cool videos so uh so props to you on your resourcefulness man I, I thought it was genius thank you i really appreciate it it was a lot of fun um yeah we, we just got really fortunate um it was like a, an idea that someone on the team kind of mentioned offhand. And then I was like, well, what could I do with that? And then we just asked, we, we asked the question, can we come shoot here? And they're like, yeah, we would love for someone to use this space yeah. here for months. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, it, it came out, came out really amazing. Yeah. And thanks for asking the Eiffels to be a part of it and uh, joining you for the, uh, the virtual show with the Troubadour. <laughs> uh gave us an excuse to record some stuff in the, the middle of uh the the live show drought so that was fun for us yeah you guys you guys killed it every it was a really um i expected it to be fun but it, it was a surprisingly heartwarming experience um seeing it, it was just so clear that so many of us really were craving an outlet like that and yeah so many people put so much of themselves into into their performances for that tour and and then you know the conversations that we got to have and like the little virtual green room thing that we did on yeah it was just really fun yeah we uh so lee uh he he's since moved to texas uh still keep in touch talk all the time but he lives in texas so we we had to get a uh a friend of ours to drum uh for that performance um and then another friend of mine uh jordan uh and and ryan uh they played with us but it was just like we were like this is therapy right now you know just just playing live it playing live with yourself was the closest that we were getting to live music i mean because it was live music we just happened to be the ones playing it you know but uh yeah so we were, we were saying how therapeutic it was and it was funny because we were at our rehearsal um uh, room and we were rehearsing and uh, the owner or the friend of the owner came banging on the door with one of our new songs uh, which has since re been released uh, collide uh, just released and uh, 
and he and we opened the door up and he was just like that's the song and he just he's like can i just like stand out here and listen and so we let him and he was just like rocking out to it and we're like wow that was the the only audience we've had that one guy was our the only audience for like a year or whatever but it was awesome you know <laughs> it's like it's crazy how starved we are for that sort of thing yeah i don't know i'm curious if you're the same way um but for me I don't, I, I don't, like I said, I'm kind of an introvert, so I don't really usually get out that much for, for leisure. Like I, mm-hmm. I get out of work. Um, right. But, but you get out a lot though. <laughs> you yeah. tour a lot. So, but um, I, uh, this has been a revelation in terms of like what a stabilizer and kind of sanity check-in playing live is especially you know for me i'm i make my music i'm sitting in the room where i make my music and i'm i make it alone and so you know shows are really the only time that i get to have anything anything like a a conversation with another human being like is this any good Um, yeah is that kind of the experience you guys have been having uh totally uh, and for me, uh, you know, I mostly work from home like, like you. And so, uh, but opposite to you, uh, I like, I like socializing. Um, but it's like, I don't have like a, a, um, an everyday social scenario, like a lot of people do, you know what I mean? So similar to you, it's, it's, it's from going to shows, which I, that's probably the thing that gets me out of the house the most is, is either playing shows or, or going to shows. That's like my favorite thing to do. Um, so yeah, I, I, I've said this to a few artists that I've, I've interviewed too, is I think, uh, COVID has shown me something. It's, I think a lot of times we think of the arts or music as supplemental, but I think it's totally, necessary like it's one of the things i i miss the most you know if not the thing i miss the most you know i mean of course we all got to eat we all got to drink we all got to sleep there's those things we 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 love a roof over our heads so those things you know of course are are essential uh but i you know music uh what's life if it ain't worth living you know what i mean and music Uh, makes life worth living you imagine the last year and a half but then you take away all the books all of the TV shows, all the movies, all the, all the songs. Yeah. What would have happened? That's what I like. I've talked about this with my wife. It's like, without all those shows to stream and movies, we would have been going insane. I mean, people already were going insane, you know what I mean? But that helped us stay sane and at least, you know, helped us to relax a little bit while, you know, we were waiting for this to all blow over, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so anyways, uh, props, props to that props to your tour. Um, and, and thanks for having us on there. Uh, one thing I got to say that I admire about you Mobley is, uh, I, I feel like you do things on your own terms uh, because I know you, you basically became a a solo artist, uh, out of necessity. You know, you had a band, um, you were playing with some people and then, um, you know, one person, I think left and then another person couldn't do the tour and you're like, well, the show must go on. So I'm going to figure out how to make this, this work. So I love that you pull the trigger and you make the decision, regardless of the circumstance, you seem like you create your circumstance rather than being, uh, you know, bending to circumstance. So I think that's really cool. Um, 
where do you, where do you, do you think that has anything to do with you, you know, moving from town to town and just having to make it work and, you know, and just being like, well, I got to figure it out. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that's a part of it. I think, I think it's, I think there are probably three, three things that contribute to me having that disposition. Um, moving around and, and just kind of having to get used to adapting to circumstances is a big one. Um, growing up poor <laughs> is, is another one. <laughs> that, that'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you just have to, you have to figure out a way to make it work. You got to figure out a way to stretch that dollar. And yeah. And um, instead of buying a robot camera, you got to find a friend with a robot camera. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and then, and then I think the third one is I, uh, my, my parents were just really, good about encouraging us uh, I'm the oldest of four brothers and they were really good about encouraging us to pursue things that we were interested in and um, for about half of my schooling growing up I was homeschooled and so I really developed um, self-education as a as a skill you know yeah and so I think those three things combined to kind of give me an, an irrational confidence that I could figure <laughs> out if I needed to. And uh, it's, it's served me pretty well so far. Yeah, it has. I was about to say, it seems to be working. So that's awesome. Well, congrats, my friend. I, I know you got a new tour. Uh, so uh, I uh, will help share the news for you uh you're you're going to be touring with lewis del mar so that's exciting speaking of being starved to play live how's that feel and and how's that going to be yeah i i don't i'm i i hasn't it hasn't it hasn't quite hit me yet it's in september um, and we're sitting here in june now um i'm excited about it my it's going to be kind of a change my 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 touring partner, my wife, uh, who, who was my tour manager and my, um, my sound engineer is, is on maternity leave now with our, our new baby. So I'm having to find somebody new to go on the road with. So that's going to be, it's going to be kind of be like being in a band again. Um, when, you know, the past few years of touring have basically just been kind of, um, yeah, someone you know, or you're some, yeah. someone you're intimate with. Now it's got to now you got to compromise a little bit more, or you know, <laughs> got to be with someone who you're a little less familiar with. Yeah, exactly. Well, if uh, anybody out there who wants to be uh, Mobley's new manager, if you are competent <laughs> and a hard worker, maybe hit him up. <laughs> Absolutely, hit me on Instagram. Shoot him a DM. <laughs> well, that cool man. Um, so. I, thanks, thanks again for doing this. It was a pleasure to talk to you. Always a pleasure to hang and, and talk. I'm glad we get to uh, have these extended conversations instead of the, the short, you know, conversations we have at shows. So it's, uh, it was cool to sit down with you and get to talk to you. Uh, we like to end the interview by asking if you had one piece of advice for aspiring artists, what would it be? My one piece of advice for aspiring artists would be, um, I think a lot of people try to give you advice about how to set up your career, how to achieve some particular goal. Um, but I don't think a lot of, I don't think a lot of ink is devoted to, or a lot of time is devoted to the question of what your art is conveying. 
and ultimately art is an expressive form. So, you know, it, it needs some sort of expressive content. And, um, and I know for me, um, I probably spent years working on my craft before really spending very much thought at all about, you know, what I actually wanted to say to the world. Um, and, you know, especially, especially as a, a kind of shy person in my, in my ordinary life, when I get up on stage, I feel very cognizant of the fact that everybody else is, is kind of required to shut up and listen to what I have to say, listen to what I have to sing. And so I think as artists, um, we have a responsibility to really devote thought to, to what we're saying and, and what we're putting out in the world and what we're conveying, because, you know, like we were talking about earlier in this conversation, art is really important and art really shapes people's minds and, and their lives. And so, so I would say, you know, really figuring out what it is you're about as a person and, 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 and what you want to say in your art and the things that you want to help bring out and bring out into the world with your art. Um, I think if you can really figure that out, it'll make your career, it'll make your, your work so much more fulfilling than it is if it's just chasing, I don't know, some fleeting thing like, Oh, I want more streams. I want <laughs> to get the show like, right really focusing on that substance and then letting out everything else flow from that, I think is just a much more healthy way to, to make art. I think that's really good substantive advice. Um, yeah. Great advice. You know, a lot of times, and it's true to also, a lot of times we get the, you just got to do it or try your best or don't give up. And, and those are all true. You know, cliches are cliches because so many people have said them probably because they're true. Uh, but that's that's great advice because uh, I think that will just strengthen your resolve to to keep making it as well. Because like you said, if you're doing it because of that, then who cares about the other stuff? The other stuff is just bonus. Yeah. You know?